God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace, God's love be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is not only our Lord and Savior, but who is our good shepherd, who pursues us, who finds us, and who brings us home. Amen. This Thursday, I was uh, privileged to go to Inini Hasi. Uh, it is a uh, camp over in Citrus County, uh, right outside of uh, Floral City. Uh, it is a camp that is partly funded by uh, Eckerd Foundation, uh, Old Eckerd Drugs, and by the state of Florida. But there, about 27 uh, girls live in a camp, in tents, year-round, these are girls who have behavioral and emotional problems. For many of them, it is uh, the last stop and maybe the, and the last hope before the trajectory of their lives is changed forever. Well, I've been out there before, uh, but this time I was privileged to go and to share with them a devotion and uh, what uh, ended up turning into a, a time of worship. But uh, these girls, to me, represent so many in our society. Not just girls and not just those who are troubled, but what so many face as they live in this world, in this society and culture that we are part of. Because, see, they have been let down and they have been neglected. They often have come there to, uh, to the belief that there is nothing that they can rely on. Not anyone, not anything. Everything changes before their eyes and nothing can they trust in being there for them tomorrow. And not only that, they are alone. And they often have very little real understanding of God. Well, many of them are those that our gospel reading today is referring to, the lost. Whether because of their own decisions or those decisions of others around them, they have found themselves alone, hurt, abused, and lost in regards to life and so much more. We'll all come back to the girls at Inini Hasi later. You may not see it this way, but Jesus saw a very similar world to what you and I are living in, and some of that world that I was just describing that is viewed by these girls. Jesus saw people who were harassed and helpless, as it is described in Matthew chapter 9. He saw people who had wandered from the fold of the family, from community, into danger. He saw people who even knew and were part of God's family who had wandered away. Jesus, he saw, and he responded. He responded, and not just with words, but action, for indeed the nature and the character of our Savior is that of compassion in action. And it didn't matter. 
It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you had come from. It didn't matter where you had strayed or what you had done. It didn't matter. But that wasn't true with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that we read about today. They muttered, this man, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. For you see, the the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, for them, compassion was not the basis of their response, but the law was. That is, what you would do determines God's response towards you. Well, Jesus tells them in response these parables. And by the way, let me note this. They too are among those who are lost. And so Jesus doesn't here harshly ridicule them, you know, call them out for their incorrect understanding of God and their own behavior, but instead he seeks to disciple and even teach them. And so in the parable of the lost sheep, God is the owner and the shepherd, the caregiver. And as such, he values and he loves each and every one of his precious flock. And when just one of those sheep wanders off, he doesn't respond with a harsh judgment. Stupid sheep, let him suffer the consequences of what he's done. He also doesn't respond this way. Huh, one sheep, I got 99 others. What's one? No, not our God. He leaves the 99. He goes and he finds. He goes and he finds a response of compassion in action, a response of love. He goes and he finds. He finds it. Listen to what it goes on saying. And he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Now, I don't know about your experience when you were growing up or your reaction to your children when they had wandered off, but when I had wandered off, my parents didn't seem so joyful. I can tell you. Maybe I... One of the memories as I thought that to myself was one, and I must be somewhere around nine or ten years of age. One of those days, I'm off playing with my friend Stevie Arujo, but we go off up near Newberry Road, Highway 26, going to Gainesville towards the interstate. I don't even know what we were doing. All I know is we must have been gone long enough that my parents were frantic because they said they were looking for me and they couldn't find me. No, they weren't very happy. They certainly weren't joyful. And I began that summer with a week being grounded. It wasn't my experience. But then notice, here Jesus isn't done yet. It isn't just about finding. Finding the loss is not only the work of the Savior, but his joy. So much so that there must be a celebration. And so he calls his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. 
like you to pause for a moment and ponder that. Ponder for a moment and know that this is true about you as well. Our God, your God, our shepherd, loves us so much that he rejoices over us being found and coming home when we have wandered off or have been lost. He rejoices. In some churches, that would deserve an amen. But he rejoices that you are home. And I want to take this a little bit further with you because I think sometimes in our Lutheran understanding of grace, unknowingly, even without saying it, we seem to act as though there's only this one occurrence of that happening, and that is when we come to faith. But I don't know about you, but I wander off very regularly. It isn't just a one-time event in life, my friends, of us wandering and being found. Do you like uh, watching sporting events, big sporting events on TV? And yeah, I know you want me to tell you something about the Gator game last night. And <laughs> but I'm thinking the ones more like, you know, a playoff game. I'm thinking like, you know, number one and two happen to be scheduled together during the regular season. And when your team wins, not only does the team celebrate, but the fans celebrate. So much so, what do they do? They run out onto the field. They fill the streets of the city or the university or the town they're from. There is celebration. And so it is in God's family. So it is in the church of Jesus Christ. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And then this is what I thought. Well, God must rejoice over me an awful lot. <laughs> Thinking about the frequency of my own wandering and him coming after me and bringing me home. Well, this, my friends, is our God. He knows us. He pursues us. He finds us, and he brings us home. Not because we deserve it, but because he is compassionate and loves us in spite of our wandering. Now back to the girls at Inini Hasi in Floral City. Many of them have found themselves there because they have wandered off. They've gotten in trouble maybe with the law, maybe with drugs or, you know, some kind of uh, risky juvenile behavior. And not always is it juvenile, the behavior they're doing. Others are there because they had no guidance no parents at home, no one discipling, disciplining them, or no sense that they could ever trust someone to love them unconditionally. I wrestled for several days before I went there Thursday morning trying to figure out, what am I going to say to these girls? 
Remember, th these are teenagers, anywhere from the age of about uh, 14 to uh, 19, I believe. Many of them were not raised in the church. Many of them have no real concept of a loving, merciful God. What am I going to say to them that is going to be more than, you know, the blah, 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 blah. Can we get over this so we can have lunch, please? When I began, I asked them this question. I said, can you tell me one of the greatest things you've experienced while you've been living here? And some of them are there for in excess of a year, sometimes two years. They are in school while they're there. You know, they uh, cook for one another. They do their laundry. They learn to live as family and team. And they're listing all these things, but the one that keeps rising up over and over is they finally have experienced family. People that will be there for them. People that will, you know, love them. People that will speak the truth to them. People that will listen to them and honor them where they are and walk with them from wherever that is going forward. Well... I decided to allow the devotion then to focus on um, loneliness, being alone, and that it's not meant to be this way. That God's design from the very beginning was that we were meant to be in relationship, not only with each other, and yes, primarily within the you know, a place of marriage uh, and family unit as we know it beginning there, but with God. That's how it's meant to be. And I took them forward and I said, and God has given you to each other. Because that's what they were drawing on. They knew they could count on their chief and their counselor. They knew that they could count on each other. They revealed that in response to that question I gave them. But even when those people that they have now finally come to begin to trust, when they fail, I pointed them to the God who will never wander off, the God who remains. That he will not leave them nor forsake them. That he loves them. And he is that ever-present God, as we learn in Psalm 46. And knowing, particularly when you're working with young people, you need multi-sensory sometimes to help them absorb it. So I share with them two uh, songs that we use here regularly in our contemporary worship. And just a, uh, from a video from um, uh, YouTube. But let me share the words uh, of part of the first song, which is called How He Loves. He loves like a hurricane, bending beneath the weight of his mercy. I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. The idea that God's love is so overwhelming, so incredible that all of these problems, all of these, you know, broken homes, broken relationships, broken promises, all of that 
is eclipsed disappears in the midst of experiencing and knowing God's love. I then shared with them a song uh, by the title of Reckless Love. And actually, in the late service, um, we're going to be singing that. But listen to these words. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Is exactly what the Lord was revealing through this parable today. You know, we don't deserve it. There's nothing, anything we can do to somehow uh, earn it. But he pursues us because he is love. He finds us. He chases us down. He's even willing to leave the 99 just to find the one. He gives his love away. The room was silent when I began to play the song on the video for them. And I watched. And some of the eyes in the room began to fill with tears. And then they began to sing. And I believe I watched some of them fall into the arms of the shepherd. Yes, my dear friends, the work of the Savior is finding the lost. Oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God, he chases us down. Amen.